Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. and just sing, uh, bring them in, bring them in, and then the Chimeza family will be dedicating their loved one this morning. Welcome. All right.
in the book of Mark 10, verse 13 to 16. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. When he took them up in his arms, and put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. This morning I'm not Jesus, I'm just his representative, doing exactly what he did 2,000 years ago. Babies are not baptized, babies are uh, dedicated. Amen. Now, uh, there is a a demon that they call uh, postnatal depression. How many mothers know about it? Amen. It's a demon that targets mothers after they gave birth. So sometimes when we dedicate the baby, I'm not saying the sister has got it. I'm simply saying when we dedicate the baby, we cast all demons that are associated with that process. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. All right. Okay. God bless you. All right. Her name is Rachel, ne? Rachel Miriam. Oh, Rachel Miriam. Let's pray with Rachel Miriam. Gracious Heavenly Father, here is the Chemeza family. They received a gift from you. And knew very well that the best way as it was done in ancient times when babies would be brought to the temple, they brought theirs to the temple so that the minister of the gospel must hold the baby in the hands as a representative of Jesus Christ. I believe that when Jesus held their arms, he had certain concerns in his heart about them. And I believe if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and dear God, the same concerns that you had then, you still have them today. Same protection that you granted then, you still grant it today. We live during a time where demons have got no respect for age group. Demons uh, target even young ones. And that is why I'm reminded of how as soon as the prophet was born, a pillar of fire appeared over his bed. You couldn't take a chance because you know the devil has got no age limit. Even now, the Chimeza family are acknowledging that the devil has no respect for age limit. And Lord, we want to bind Satan. We want to play a way of, or, or that will lay ahead of the journey of life. All the obstacles that may be there, we play them in the name of Jesus Christ. For this baby, may you instill a sense of wisdom in the parents how to raise this daughter in the fear of the Lord. We commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 
Let's just stand to our feet and say, I need your touch, I need your touch. Once more, I need your touch. How many need his touch this morning? How many need his touch this morning? Amen. Let's see, just sing it. As we turn to the book of Mark, Mark 2, from verse 1 to verse 6, maybe my brother, let's go to your Bible app, uh, this one, I think the font is a bit small, let's use the Bible at for now. Amen. God bless you, Malak. From verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noised that he was in the house. The prophet says, wherever he is, there is a noise. Amen. Amen. And straightway, many were gathered together. In so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the weight unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Which was born of four. And when they could not come near unto him for the press, press, 
They uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. We will get into that scripture because a lot of time violence is not associated with the kingdom of heaven, but the scripture says the violent take it by force. And from the days of John the Baptist, if the brothers can come close here, there is just a bit of an echo. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth the violence. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are reporting for duty this morning. Dear God, it is always such an experience to be in your presence. There are so many things that just fall into place whenever we are in your presence. Problems that would often overwhelm us, they get very much negated when we are in our presence. Sicknesses that make us fearful, they seem like nothing when we are in your presence. The enemy that is vicious, dear God, seems like nothing when we are in your presence. There is something that your presence does to your people. That's why the Israelites, one time they said, unless your presence go with us, we'd rather remain where we are. This morning as well, unless your presence go with us, we'd rather remain where we are. If there is any person that is sick in the building, may you heal them, dear God. May you deliver them completely. Let it be an instant miracle in their corner. And dear God, if there is anyone that is heavy laden, may they cast their burdens upon you. Because dear God, the prophet says, a human heart was made to be happy. If there is anything that is hindering a human heart this morning from attaining God-ordained happiness, may you step in, dear God so that that heart can be happy and glorify your name. We've read a scripture. May the Holy Spirit move upon the text. And not only upon the text, may it move upon my lips. Not only upon my lips, may the Holy Spirit move upon their hearts. 
And dear God, that when we leave this place, things should have taken a certain shape that will intimidate Satan, that will nullify Satan. That's why we are here this morning. I commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. I think it is the scripture that we read in our virtual service on Wednesday when we spoke about the case of low expectations. I'm not on that this morning. I want to move and speak on extreme measures in extreme conditions for extreme results. Hallelujah. I want to speak on extreme measures in extreme conditions for extreme results. Now, many times we have all have had to deal with problems, situations, conditions, and various challenges on our Christian journey. Uh, am I correct? Have you dealt with situations in your life? Have you dealt with situations in your life? Is the church here this morning? Are you going to help me preach this morning? Amen. Now, maybe... Let me find a way to paint a picture of what we mean by an extreme measure. Extreme measure is when there are times where you have a problem. Hallelujah. Uh, you have a problem and you have a capacity to resolve a problem. Stay with me. Now, when, you, when, it, when a problem is very low and your capacity is high, many times you don't attend to the problem because it is insignificant in your life. Am I correct? So your capacity is high, but the problem is low. But over a process of time, the problem grows. Hallelujah. Your capacity is at this level. The problem is down here. But as days go by, the problem grows. Hallelujah. When the problem grows, then the problem becomes an irritation. Because now it's beginning to be visible is beginning to be felt. And as days go by, the problem grows. Hallelujah. Now, the point where your problem and your capacity reach equilibrium, a balance, then it begins to make you feel overwhelmed or anxious. Am I correct? Yeah. Hallelujah. I hope we are together. You have a small debt, you ignore it. I'm giving an example. 
and later it grows. Hallelujah. It grows. And it comes a point where it reaches capacity. Then it makes you anxious. You cannot sleep at night. Am I correct? Now, the point where your problem reaches the level of your capacity and makes you feel squeezed and makes you feel pressurized is what we call an extreme level. Your stress levels shoot up. Your anxiety levels shoot up. Uh, your stress levels, everything goes haywire because you, you are realizing that unless something happens, this problem is going to swallow me. Uh, hallelujah. And once you have reached a point where a problem has reached the level of your capacity or has stretched your capacity, then even, even waiting becomes difficult. You, you, can, you, you want solution, but not next year. You want a solution, but not next week. And there are times where you don't even need it tomorrow. You, you need it at that very moment. Uh, do I talk to people that have ever experienced that? If you have not experienced that, uh, you have not yet graduated from the university of life. Hallelujah. Those that know what I'm talking about, you've got your eyes wide open in the middle of the night. And we say, Lord, this cannot wait until Sunday. This cannot wait until tomorrow. It has to be resolved now. Are you still with me? Now, right there, you have been taught that you need to wait upon the Lord. But even at that moment, you say, the waiting part is not for me. Hallelujah. This, this uh, Brother Mahuko, God bless you richly. It's good to see you, my brother. At that moment, the waiting is not for you. Even if somebody comes and says, Abraham waited for many years, you say, that was Abraham. It's not me. I, I, I cannot wait. Like, are you here, people? A sermon of waiting doesn't make sense to you. It may have made sense at some other time, but not now, because unless something takes place, I'm going to be swallowed up by this problem. Now, once you have reached that level, then you engage, because now it is an extreme situation. You are in an extreme condition. Now, you are, you are requiring extreme measures that can produce instant results, which in this instance I will call it extreme results. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here this morning. Now, going back to our text, where we read, this man had a palsy. This man had been, a palsy is a, is a paralysis. He had been paralyzed. I don't know, sometimes it could be caused by a stroke, sometimes it could be by various medical conditions, but during that time, a paralysis, they called it a palsy. That means the immobility of muscles. Now, he is crippled, he's bedridden. Now, 
the friends here, I don't know who these four shapes were. I don't know how related they were, but I can realize how much they loved the man that was paralyzed. Then they, they heard about the miracles of Jesus. They heard about wonders that took place in his meetings. Then they carried this man. Look how bedridden he was. They had to carry him on the bed. It was four of them, one in the, two in the front and two in the, in the rear. Now they're taking him where Jesus is. And when they got there, the place is packed to capacity. They cannot make a way to where Jesus is. He's in the house. The house is full to the brim. And he's preaching right there. But this man did not, this to them was not an ordinary service. Hallelujah. This, this was serious. They had a situation that needed the master's attention. Hallelujah. And when they got there, they realized the place is packed. And they can't make their way to where Jesus is. Now, quickly they decided that, look, let's get to the rooftop. While the service is in progress, let us remove the roof of the house. Hallelujah. We're going to interrupt this service. He is preaching, but we need an attention. Hallelujah. And they got onto the roof, then they, they removed to the roof. I can imagine they had no time to consider how the owner of the house was going to feel. What is happening is because now they were adopting extreme measures in order to achieve extreme results in an extreme situation. To them, this man is not going to come out still on the bed ridden. Hallelujah. Then they removed the rooftop. I can imagine when the roof got uprooted. And as the roof got uprooted, the man, the man lowered the bed right to where Jesus was. Hallelujah. And when Jesus saw that, I, I can imagine somewhere we might have said, you bunch of demons. The way it is being preached, you are interrupting the weight. But to this man, they did not care how you thought. You know, when you are in an extreme conditions, you disregard people's opinions. Uh, hallelujah. When you are in extreme conditions, critics don't matter that much. You are looking for results because you are the one that is, feel, that is feeling the heat in that moment. So this man, they realized that I, 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 we, we need to get a solution to this, solution, to this problem. And I said, God, may God give us friends like these ones. When you are bedridden, they can remove obstacles and say, he's got to find a solution. She's got to find a solution. She's our brother. She's our sister. Are, we, are you still with me? Now, let's come maybe so that because I want to paint a picture of extreme measures. We've heard about Sister Hannah, who was married to a man called Elikana. And Sister Hannah was the, was the first wife to Elikana. 
And Elikana, 10 years later, married a wife called Penina. And there was a tussle, there was a conflict in the house. They couldn't see eye to eye because Hannah had, had, had no children and Penina had the children. And Penina engaged in mockery and made fun of Hannah. Hallelujah. Ten years later into marriage, that's how she came late into the marriage, but she wanted to make her presence to feel felt. And she threw her weight around and caused such a strain for Hannah. And Hannah realized, I can imagine, there must have been thoughts that went through her mind that, Lord, I'm not a sinner, I'm a believer. Lord, I've been loyal to my marital vows. I've given my best. I'm dedicated. But why are you dealing with me in this manner? Why am I being subjected to this mockery? Are you still with me? They did not go to church every Sunday. They only went to church once a year. Hallelujah. That means that maybe the church support system could say it wasn't as sufficient as it is today where you meet believers almost on a weekly basis. There you only met believers once a year. So that means she, she, must, she must have had not other women to confide in about her situation. But the enemy kept on praising and praising and squeezing her until she realized I'm in an extreme situation. A situation. Now, it came a time where they went to Shiloh. And when they went to Shiloh, when they went there, what we realized when she got there, she approached that church service different on that specific day. Are you still with me? You, you know, there are, there are times when, when, when you come to church, you, you even think about the clothes that you're going to wear. You, you are thinking about the tie and the coordination with the tie, with the suit. Hallelujah. You are thinking of the dress, what will go with the dress. But there are times when Satan can throw you into extreme measures where you don't care whether my top matches the dress. I'm not encouraging shabbiness, but I'm painting a picture. There are times when Satan can come and cause a storm where you disregard the things that you deemed important, but they are not important on that day. When Hannah went to church that day, she never cared about how her dress looked. There was an urgent matter that had to be on God's agenda. Are you still with me here? And when she got there, she prayed a prayer that my brother will bring on the screen. She prayed a prayer. My heart rejoices in the Lord. Folks, listen, I want us to get into uh, uh, how this prayer was framed. Remember, she's not complaining. Penina is not an issue, although she's an issue. She, she doesn't tell God about Penina. She, she, she has not been to church over a year, but listen to her prayer. It's not a bunch of complaints. Hallelujah. She's not angry with God despite being in an extreme situation. She says, my heart, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. 
I'm reading from another version if you don't mind. But keep this one going. My strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Listen to the prayer, folks. She doesn't say, my enemies must die. Let her children die. No, no, no. This is a believer praying, folks. This is not a prayer to settle the score. This is somebody that has got a relationship with God. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. Nor is there any rock like our rock. Oh, folks, this is a woman. She doesn't have things in abundance. She's going through a, a passage of scarcity. But in that moment, no complaint on the agenda. Now, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogancy come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by his actions await. The bows of the mighty men are f- broken. And those who stumbled are gathered with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the strength of his anointed. Do you hear this prayer, folks? No, Penina is not an issue here. The domestic affair is not an issue here. She's coming before God and elevating God above every situation. Are you still with me here? Then the prophet, I like it how Brother Brenham would have described the prayer of Hannah in the message the supernatural. Paragraph 34. He says, Prayer is not a perhaps. Prayer is a sincere thing. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is not to get down, shut your eyes, and thinking about your washing or or your work, what you are doing, and say, Lord, 
help me and John, heal Ms. Jones and so forth. That's not a prayer. That's repeating some ways. But prayer is to come into an atmosphere where you realize that you are in the presence of God and you are moving to then in the deepest of sincerity. First, it's a worship. Oh, Jehovah, how I love you. You see, then after the worship of prayer, then you come with a heart, sincere heart asking. Do you agree that's how the prayer of Hannah was? Amen. She had no washing. She had no domestic issues on her mind. She, she first doesn't, doesn't just flood God with her request. She first acknowledged there is no God like you. Hallelujah. Then she acknowledges God's majesty. She speaks about even the end of time, how God will humble his adversaries. But in the midst of that, she was creating an atmosphere where she could present her request. While she's there and she's busy, it's not a loud voice. It is just the lips moving, but the heart is so connected with God. Right there, until the pastor that day did not understand what was going on because a church was dismissed, but she remained in her seat and she kept on praying and praying and praying until the pastor thought, this woman must be drunk. But I say, Hannah was not drunk. Hannah wanted extreme measures for her extreme situation in order to attain extreme results. She was not going back without a promise. She needed a child. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. She was there speaking to God and saying, God, you're going to do it now. Are you still here? You could have told her about how Sarah waited for many. She didn't know what one to wait. Because at the house there was penina. At the house there was mockery. But here I'm in the presence of God. I know God you can do it. I know you can do it. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next year. You've got the capacity to deliver results now. Come on church. Are you here? Are there times where you spoke to God and say, God, I know you can do it now. This matter cannot wait tomorrow. It cannot wait for next week. It has to be attended right now. I know. I don't know if there is somebody in the building that say, I came to church this morning because I've got an agent matter that must be attended by God. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year, but before I get out of the service, there must be results in real time. Come on, are you here, church? I hope we are together this morning. Extreme measures. Now the prophet comes, or maybe in the book of Matthew, let me break down the scripture. Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John, the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. What does it mean? I went and checked in the message literature. There is no way even Brother Brenham reflects on this scripture. I think maybe the Holy Ghost did not deem it to be that important. He's silent about it. You can go and search it. 
And I went to check commentaries of various people like Schofield, I think Adam Clark and all scholars, Bible scholars that Brother Brenham would refer to. And somewhat many of them, when they spoke about this scripture, and their commentary didn't make sense to me. Then I had to come back to the message of the hour and say, although it's not spoken, but it must be spoken somewhere. It must be hidden somewhere in silence. It must be pulled out. And I'm going to read certain quotations, but let's check. This scripture has got oxymorons. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. What does it mean? It means whenever the kingdom of God, of heaven, is being spread, it is always facing opposition. There's always a pushback that it must not go. If the gospel moves into a certain country, there's always demonic elements that refuses the spread of the gospel. Are we with me? When it moves into the family, there is always a resistance in the family. If it moves into the community, there is always a violent resistance. Are you still with me? But now the Bible says, the violent take it by force. That means between you and the kingdom of God, there's going to be obstacles. And those obstacles are not going to need a gently manly attitude to remove them. Those obstacles are going to require a certain degree of militancy. Are you with me here, folks? The, the devil, you are not going to remove the devil with a handkerchief. Uh, hallelujah. You, you are not going to sit talk the devil to move out of your way. There are times where the devil has got to be bulldozed. Uh, have you ever seen a bulldozer? When a bulldozer comes, folks, it doesn't bulldoze in a nice way. Every structure that is in the, in the way of a bulldozer, that structure must be destroyed. That structure must crumble, not in a design way. It must crumble however way it must crumble. Exactly how a child of God is when they come against Satan, against demons, against all demonic elements, they bulldoze their way. Uh, come on, church. The devil is not going to be moved by a gentlemanly attitude. And the devil has got no respect for English. There are people that think for you to hear, to be heard by God, you've got to pray for by in English. Are there times when you are squeezed and you realize, I'm living this English. I'm going to talk in the way that I must be understood. Yeah. Hallelujah. At that moment, you are not concerned about grammar. You are not concerned about the words. You want your message to be delivered. Yeah. Oh, folks, when you are angry, you get angry in your own language. Uh, hallelujah you can never be angry in English if it's not your mother tongue hallelujah I like how one pastor I think it was in Congo had invited a minister from from France and this minister came on the pulpit and started preaching a wrong doctrine now the visiting minister I think he speaks Lingala this was a white brother from France 
Now, as soon as he delivered the wrong doctrine, the pastor left his seat, came, stopped him in the middle of the service, and spoke in Lingala to him. And knowing he does not understand Lingala. But the pastor was so upset that I'm not going to speak French. I'm not going to speak English. I'm going to address this demon in Lingala. Here, we don't believe such nonsense. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You can never address the devil in a dignified way. The devil will never treat you in a dignified way. If he comes in a violent way, you read the intensity must be violent. I hope it will make sense as we move along. In the message, redemption. God will bear with me if I leave my notes at some point in time. Bear with me. I'm not here this morning to observe a pulpit decorum. There's matters to be attended to. In the message, redemption in completeness, in joy. Paragraph 151. The prophet says, you know, when you get to the Holy Ghost, you attend a lot of obstacles. Are there witnesses in the building? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But folks, it does not remain in that way. The devil wants you to believe it like that, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But you know, in grammar, the word but cancels everything. Then it says, but God delivereth him out of them. Oh, in some. In some folks. In all of them. Yes, afflictions are going to be there, but we're going to come out of them. God brings you right up, facing with it, so he can show you his power and his goodness. Paragraph, paragraph 187, in the message Melchizedek, the great prince and king, 187. He says, in this great faith battle, as I've tried to fight it, I've come some awful obstacles. Being over some rough roads. How many have been down rough roads in the building? It shows on me, brother, I say, the strain, the difficulty, the roughness of the roads is showing on me. Even on Jesus, he looked, he was 33, but yet looked to 50 because of the strain. Are you with me? It shows on me, I have, but it's been the most blessed thing. I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. And here is my greatest victories. The greatest pleasures I have is when I come up against something, I can't see over it, around it, or under it. I just keep walking towards it, believing this, that God will make a way when I get there. (laughs) Come on, folks. You don't run away from a challenge. Even if the challenge is bigger, 
you move towards a challenge. You don't know your way around the challenge. You can't see your way above the challenge. You can't see your way below the challenge. But you move right to the challenge because you believe when I get to it, God will make a way somehow. What does it mean? It means that this army has got no ability to retreat. I say this army has got no ability to retreat. We don't run away from the camp. We run towards our adversaries. We run towards the enemy and we meet the enemy at the point of challenge and bring the enemy under the subjection. And if it requires extreme measures, so be it. We will adopt extreme measures in order to achieve extreme results. What do I mean? We are not looking for average results. Because the Satan is not fighting an average battle. The devil is raging a battle 24-7 and we're going to return the favor and we're going to make sure it gets intensified. I'm talking about the people that will never retreat. I'm talking to the people that will never bow down to pressure. I'm talking to about the people that will never allow Satan to have a last say. When all is said and done, we will be the final weight in the final age under the final messenger not you devil not you demons but the bride of jesus christ come on am i preaching to somebody this morning am i talking to somebody this morning i say we will never retreat i say we will never retreat moses never retreated to pharaoh we will never retreat to any demonic power we will march into the enemy's camp and take whatever he has stolen from us i said the devil is a liar i said the devil is a liar are you still with me here now you know landlords in south africa are having difficult times because it's very difficult to remove a tenant who's not paying in south africa you need a court order you need this it's quite a laborious process now some landlords have realized courts take time but these people are not paying and they're in my house and i need my rent money not tomorrow today now what they have done they have formed what we call vigilante groups. A vigilante group, it acts like a police force, but is not recognized as one by the law. It adopts measures to resolve issues that are unconventional to the law. That means they can lay hands upon you and bless you in their way of blessing you. <laughs> now, when this vigilante group comes, They've got no court order. They just tell you that you have not paid rent. We're going to need rent by close of business or you need to move out. And when you speak to others and they tell you who visited you and you mention the people that visited you, they advise you that before the sunrise, you had much better get running. <laughs> and the owner knows once you have been visited by those, you won't be in the house anymore. By tomorrow, either you will have a way 
of pain, but you will move out. However, with these characters, you don't know them. Hallelujah. They are non-persona granta. The law cannot raise them, but they tell you, you are moving out. What is happening is because the landlord, in that case, has adopted what we call an extreme measure. Hallelujah. You can be there and laugh at them and say, ah, you don't do that, but wait until the bond is due. Hallelujah. And the court tells you can't do anything. And now you need to pay there and a person is not paying you back. Right there, extreme measures. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, when somebody has moved into your house and they refuse to vacate it, even after you have spoken nicely to them, you can, be, you can, you can go and have lunch with them. Yeah. Hallelujah. You, you, you can reason with them. You, you, you've got to find a way to bulldoze them out of the house. Yeah. Uh, are you still with me? And when you bulldoze somebody that has not, was not abiding by the rules, this vigilante, they don't care whether you are at work. If they come to remove you, it's like the red ends. You know what is the red ends? Yeah. Hallelujah. We will not move. This is our locality. And the government say, move there. It is not approved for human habitation. And you remove, you stay there. One day when you come back from work, it will be just a, a, a bunch of red ends moving around. And all structures are down. They don't care how expensive your television is. It will go down with your check. Because what's happened, everything that is there is being run over by a bulldozer. Why? Because you are a squatter there. You've got no legal right to be there. The government has issued a warning you refuse. Now they are bulldozing you. And I say, God, give us more spiritual red ends against Satan. Where demons have erected sharks in many various places, our marriages, our children, our finances, our churches. But we say, God, we've got the red ends. They've issued a warning that you are not supposed to be there, but now they are coming to bulldoze their way. When was the last time you bulldozed your way? Amen. In the message, the restoration of the bride tree. Paragraph 97. The prophet says, what is it enforcing? Give it back. See, that's it. That's what he's talking about. Restore it. Bring it to its right owner. And if Satan has robbed you of the privilege of being a son or a daughter of God, we have a right this morning by the Holy Spirit to enforce the claim of God. Bring them back. Do you believe we've got that right this morning? Continues in paragraph 99, my brother, same message. He says, if he's afflicted and you made him sick, we have a right before God to enforce the laws of God. 
By his stripes we are healed. Bringing him back. Turn him loose. You are taking him out yonder of death. And we claim him. Bring him back tomorrow. Bring him back now. That's the enforcement. Restore it back to its natural condition again. A man is sick. A baby is sick. A woman is sick. They are out of their natural condition. Then we have a right to enforce our claim. Not our claim. It's a claim because God gave it to us. By his stripes we were healed. He was wounded for our transgression. We, with his stripes, we, not we are, we were healed. Now, we have a right to enforce that law. Hallelujah. We have a right to do what? We have a right to enforce that law. Then he says, and the Lord give, the Holy Spirit himself is here, the agent of God, to see that it's done that way. Are you still with me here, folks? The Holy Spirit is here to do what? To ensure that it's done that way. If a woman is sick, it's out of their natural condition. If a baby is sick, out of their natural condition. But this army here has got the legal right to enforce a claim that by his stripes we were healed. Let me come to something here. There is a Mexican woman who takes her baby to the doctor. And as she is in the doctor's room, it's 9.30 in the morning. As she's there, the baby's gasping for air, and all of a sudden, she loses the strength of the body. The baby dies right there. And the doctor declares and certifies the baby dead. And say, ma'am, we need to take this baby into the mortuary. The mother said, my child is not going into the mortuary. I'm taking my child home. What is happening here? Extreme condition. And she took the baby home, but later she moved to where Brother Brenham had the meetings. Now, when she got there, she was there the whole day. And it was raining the whole day. She's in the rain with a dead baby. She's not going back. The doctor said, the baby is dead. But the woman says, but the doctor's weight is not the final weight. Yeah. Are you still with me? Now, when she's there, it's raining. The place is packed to capacity. Brother Brenham, even when he had to come and preach, in order to make a way to the stage, there was no way for him to make a way to the stage. They had to to tie his waist and lift him up and bring him somewhere, I don't know, with a crate to drop him on the stage. Exactly how it was when the roof was removed. But there is a woman in the audience 
with a dead boy. Now it's half past ten in the evening. The baby is dead half past nine in the morning. Now we are in the evening. She's telling the ushers, I'm not going anywhere until I speak to that man and he attends to my dirty baby. Billy Paul says 150 ushers were trying to prevent this woman and say you cannot go. But this was an extreme condition that requires extreme measures to achieve extreme results. 150 ushers could not stop the woman. She hurt the woman like a rugby ball. My child is going to come back to life. I'm not an ordinary believer. Satan, you came to the wrong address. Hallelujah. And she came there. The baby was pale. The baby was green. And she came there. And Brother Brenham said to Brother Jack Moore, Go there. She doesn't know the difference between you and me. Go there and pray for her. And as she, Brother Jack Moore, was about to leave, Brother Brenham said, Wait a minute. Heaven has now connected with the heart of this woman. It's no longer her activity. Now heaven is part of the program. Bring the woman here. And they brought a, dead, a woman that the child was dead in the morning. Brother Bram held the baby and prayed for the baby. And the baby came back to life. I said the baby came back to life. You know what is the devil saying right now? As you are clapping your hands, he say it was there. What about now? Satan, I am bringing it to your doorstep. I'm not worshipping a God of history. I'm not worshipping a God of 1960s or 1970s. I'm worshipping the God of today. Let me bring it to, to the devil doorstep. It was the 15th of March when I stood behind this pulpit and the cabinet was sitting and they were deliberating whether we closed the churches or not. I read a quotation and in that quotation is that there will be a germ warfare and the diseases will move around. But it says it will touch everyone. The president, bring the quotation, brother. Just look for the gem wolf. I don't have it here. Then it says, it will touch the president. It will touch the emperors. It will touch everyone. I want this quotation to come because there is somewhere where I'm going. Gem warfare. It speaks about how the divine healing is going to be a great thing among the people. So the angel of the Lord said, touch not my anointed ones. Hallelujah. Hope you are getting it. If somebody is able to get it, okay. Go down, go, go up. I came here. I read this quotation. Let me, it was on the 15th of March, 2020. Let me pass something here quickly 
as our times is going. Listen, do you know the Bible predicts that in the last days that there will be a germ warfare, that diseases will break out upon the people and will fall on everyone without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But with the angels, or who had to charge over these plagues, was given orders to touch no one on whom the mark was. Why? How much kind of teachers we've got to be, brethren? How, 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 why? How much kind of teachers have we got to be, brethren, to get the church in order to be in that condition, immune? I read this quotation and many other quotations that went, just go down. Go down. Go down. It's fine. Let's leave it there. I read this quotation. There's somewhere I'm going. When I read this quotation, it was on the 15th of March, 2020. Naively, I want to submit, maybe it must have been naive, according to the world standard. I did not anticipate that believers are going to succumb to that. Yes. Come on, me, I'm honest. Yes. In the problem when you are a story talk, you can't lie. Your lie becomes clear. But if you lie in parables, then you come and repent in parables. Then when I read this quotation, I was completely persuaded that this pandemic is not for the bright. I know ministers can't say that. The Hillary Clinton movement will not say that. Then, again, there is a message that was preached a week or two after that. Three princip principal powers. The power of David, the power of God, and the power of faith. And in that message again, I was persuaded that we are going to be immunized from this thing. Are you still with me? Later on, I realized that people, I remember one minister in another movement, a daughter of that minister died, and people were insinuating, oh, she died because they are in the wrong movement, because people were now preoccupied. It will not touch the bride. But then it came closer and closer and started taking lives. But I sat in my study room and I say, God, you are the God of the Bible. You are a healer. This demon, you knew about it before the foundation of the world. There's no way that it can ravage and go around the world and cause chaos. I say, if you don't do anything, we will not have confidence to come back behind the pulpit and preach about you being a divine healer. Yes, Folks, there are churches that have been around for more than 40 years. We have just been around for a decade. Are you with me? I mean, a church that has been around for a number of years, there's many members, they are moving, but we are starting, we are growing. Are you with me? Yes. 
the difference is that when you are maintaining, when you are growing, the one that is growing needs more strength and needs more resources. There are ministers to them, it's time. They, they have just retired behind the pulpit. There's no zeal whatsoever for the things of God anymore. They've been there for a number of years. They're just waiting to be called home. But I'm not waiting to be called home. I believe there is a bright revival that must take place. I believe the era where people will walk into a church and be healed without being laid hands upon. It is this time. Are you still with me? I say, Lord, how are we going to open the church? And maybe half of the church is dead. What are we going to preach? Are we, still, are we now moving only that God will resurrect you only and leave the divine healing part? I say, the devil is a liar. And uh, the Holy Ghost, right from this pulpit came as I was preaching. I said, it was a month, two weeks after in 2020 or somewhere there, I said, no one will die of coronavirus in this church. Oh, it's a controversial statement. It's a controversial statement. I went home. I, could, I had restless and the devil wanted to speak to me. Are you irresponsible? I prayed again and I came back and I repeated the same statement. Are you still with me? Guess what? The first one to have it, it was Brother Fani Mutau. He got very sick. And I say, if he dies, what's going to happen to my ministry? This is on tape. People have listened to me. What's going to happen? Am I going to come behind the pulpit and preach? I've lost my credibility. We prayed. He got healed. Brother Mpanyana got sick. Very sick. At the point of death. And I say, the devil, if he, he's a deacon, he's not an ordinary member. A statement is said, a deacon died. What are you going to say? I say, the devil, you are a liar. It was not me speaking. It was the Holy Ghost speaking. Uh, are you still with me here? Later, I think it was, who got sick after? It was the wife of a brother from Zim, the tall brother, I forgot the same name. She phoned me. And say, Pastor, the whole body is freezing. I'm sick. I've got no strength. I don't know what to do. And I say, uh, the symptoms were showing it's severe. I went down on my knees. I prayed. I said, God, intervene. The next morning, she phoned and said, I'm healed. Wait, folks. Later on. I think it was Brother Mutambira phoned me and said, Pastor, I'm sick. I don't have strength. I cannot do anything. I thought it was flu, but uh, this is way too much. I knew right then that it was COVID. We prayed after two days he came. Say, I'm healed. Are you still with me here? Brother Burara came into my office and said, Pastor, I'm sick. He got healed. I, I'm Sister... Uh, Sister Claudia tested positive. I'm going on. I'm the same way I'm going. Sister Masango tested positive. We pray she got healed. I'll come to a story. Now, Sister Chetty was in Durban with her aunties that she loved dearly. And they were admitted into the hospital. When they were there, it was, it was a nerve-wracking moment. I say, it was a nerve-wracking moment. 
When she was admitted, she got admitted later. Initially, they didn't want, but later they got admitted. Now, check something. She's laying in the hospital bed next to her aunt. That they've got the same disease. The aunt dies next to her. What do you think happens to your body when you are subjected to that shock and you have got COVID? Everything, your immune system is compromised. Oh, you could imagine when Brother Chetty phoned me and said, the aunt is God. Then I said, you know what the devil says? She's next. But I said, I don't know much about the aunt. We love the aunt. But when the prophecy was made, the aunt was not part of it. But this one, this one, devil, this one, she's not going anywhere. Come on, church. Are you here? This one is not going. If she goes, my ministry is gone. God, this one is not going anywhere. Hallelujah. And she came out of the hospital. This morning she's in church. Hang on. Then I'm speaking about testimonies. Now when Sister Sango got healed from COVID, it was a long COVID. It left severe lingering symptoms. After she got delivered, she got sick. Many times she was on the phone with me. I went to her house, prayed. It wasn't getting better. This medication and that medication. And I say, the devil, you are a liar. We prayed, we prayed. She was as sick as recent as last week. But on Wednesday when I preached the message, the curse of low expectations. And I said, God does not want us to have low expectations. She said immediately after the service, she went into a room when everybody was asleep and said, there is matters between you and God that we must resolve tonight. Hallelujah. My husband is not a believer. She is watching me. I say I've got the right faith. How am I going to testify to him when things are like this? I am not leaving your presence until the matters are resolved. Come on, church. Are you still with me? And she says, at that moment, she even said, my pastor's reputation is at stake. Everyone's reputation is at stake. She said the very same night, she got completely delivered. Come on, church. I'm not speaking about 1960. I'm speaking about today. And I'm here to announce, in this church, no one died from corona. Ah, The devil doesn't hear me. No one in this church died from corona. It was not the doctors. It was not the pastor. It was the almighty God. When we called him for a showdown. I said we're not worshipping the God of yesterday. Folks, this is a time to rejoice. We have been accumulating fear, accumulating negativity, accumulating negativity. But this time is to accumulate faith. And say the devil, now I believe more than ever before. 
Are, are you here? You, you know, the problem when we when you don't know what God has ever done, you just become a spectator. It's ringing on the wrong pole. But when you know what God, me, I'm not going to lie. Uh, if somebody had died here, yeah, I was not going to continue to be a pastor. What I was going to preach about. You know, everyone after a week, if you want to attack me, I'm going to say, but you remember, Pastor, you once lied. No. What I'm saying, when we preach it's not a picnic. Yes. It's not an entertainment. Yes. There is a lot that is at stake. Yes. But thank be to God. Yes. Brother Brenham say, when you call him for a showdown, he never disappoints. Yes. And I called him for a showdown, and he has never disappointed me. Yes. Are you here this morning? When God moves and performs the miracles, amen. The prophet comes. In his message, the restoration of the bright tree. Now, here is a question. If he said no one will die of Corona, and no one died, and people got sick, then I come to you and say during the first wave, there was no medical intervention. But I said, God, preserve them. Second wave, there is no medical intervention. God, preserve them. Third wave, only few accessed it. God preserve it. And now, now, there is medical intervention. And you sit there and say you're going to argue with doctors. And you're going to even argue with the pastor about vaccine. If anything happens, it's in your hands. Did you hear, did you hear me? There is responsibility. Did you hear me? Oh, if you say, I don't have faith, then what carried us during the first wave? What carries us during the second wave? What carries us, carried us during the third wave? I mean, if you want to accuse that, I say do it because you don't have, I don't have faith. You're off the mark. You have heard me. I won't lie to you, me. And anything that you do, you know, young ones today, they get excited. Uh, uh, young ones today, they think they can go on Google and just punch how to be a pilot. And it drops down ways of how to fly a Boeing 747. And they read it and they say, I can debate with a pilot. You know, I did my own research. There is a difference between theory and practice. If we give you that big machine and say, get into it and fly, you'll sweat. No matter how many 
Google sites you visited. Life is not Google. Life is reality. Are you hearing me, church? And anything, anything that we say in this church, I've taught you number of years. Here, no one's opinion reigns supreme. Only the message. If you say, I thought about it, we're still going to say, what does the message say about it? No matter how it sounds good, if it's not authenticated by the message, we reject it. Are you with me? All right. Let's come to this one, brother. In restoration of the bride tree, paragraph 88. He says, what have I read to this one? He says, enforce. We have the privilege to enforce upon Satan the claims that God gave us. For God has a law, and his law is, and his weight is a law. And God, in this weight, made certain claims to the church. Therefore, we have a right to force these claims upon Satan and say, and say, and say, give it back. And he has to, when you say to somebody, give it, you see, it doesn't say please. It doesn't say I back. It says give it back. Are you with me? And Satan has to do it. Uh, uh, amen. I'm looking, losing track of it here. Give it back and he has to do it. Because we can take God's agent, the Holy Spirit, go right down on our knees. And say, it's thou says the Lord. He's got to give it up. That's all. Because the Holy Spirit is there to make him do it. The law of the land is to enforce. Is by the land, for the land. Hallelujah. Paragraph 89. By the law of the Spirit of God, but... The law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that which he has unrightfully, deceitfully taken from God. So the devil is going to rob you in an unjustified, unrightful, and deceitful way. And when he has robbed you, you know, this man that came to remove the rooftop, they had what we call a holy indignation. I, I don't know. Maybe they must have known their friend before he got sick and knew what he was capable of. 
And to know that uh, such a promise in life has been derailed by this paralysis, it caused such a holy indignation. What brings a discomfort is when you know where you are supposed to be, but you are not there and something is hindering you. And you know that had it not been of this thing, I would be far. Now, what are you going to do? You are not going to be diplomatic around that thing. You are going to bulldoze your way. You are going to remove that thing as aggressively as it is required. The problem today, believers lack a whole indignation. Believers today, they accept the status quo. It has always been like this. This is what I have. This is until they say it's a chronic I don't deny that we've got chronic, but God heals chronic diseases. Come on, church. Chronic, and here I'm breaking ranks with a medical sign. Chronic is simply to say, learn to live with it. Learn to accept that it will always be this way. And they even ask you, has somebody in your family have it? But the prophets say, when you receive a parcel, and you know in the pastel there are some rattlesnakes. And they say, Mr. Mafagaza, we've got a parcel here for you. It has been sent to you. And brother, say you look at it. It is your name. It is your address. But you know that inside is rattlesnake. He said, what are you going to do? If you sign, then you accept it. But he said, you've got a right to say, Mr. Messenger, you came to the right address. You have the right name. I am the right person. But send it back to the sender. Come on, church. Are you here? When was the last time you sent it back to the sender? When was the last time Satan showed up on your doorstep and said, Satan, wrong address. Here we will never bow down to you. Are you with me? Then it says, by the law of, but the law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that what that which he has unrightfully and deceitfully taken from God. Souls of men he took from God. Souls of women, children. Therefore, if the Satan can steal a soul unrightfully, deceitfully, you, as a child of God, you have a right to claim that soul back. Yes, Folks, a soul is more important than anything. Yes, you have a Do you see what God, what Brother Brennan is saying? He doesn't say God has got the right to call it back. Because we are all now operating under delegated authority. When you have been given a role, you must use the power that is associated with that role. Because why? The government gives a traffic cop and says, Mr. Traffic cop, you are the one that will stop vehicles on the road. This man is very petite in structure. He comes on the N4 as maybe a, a what do you call it? A hauler. A truck comes, huge one. He is able to stand there and wave and say, it must stop. What gives him the confidence that it will not run him over? He's small in stature. He knows that I've got a badge 
from the government. The authority of the government is now my authority. And this morning we say, you as a son of God, you've got a badge of heaven as a daughter of God. When demons come, you've got a right to say, demon, stop here. I say you've got a right to say, stop here. And the demon must obey. And if it refuses to obey, you report away to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit, the devil undermined me. What are we going to do about it? The God will reinforce you. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Sickness of the body. He placed upon people where God made them in his image to be like him. And the church is taken, the church has taken the, right, the rightful legal right by the Bible to take the Holy Spirit and enforce this upon them. Brother, bring another quotation if you look it for me. It says the devil's property is in the message, the future home. Amen. You love the Lord? Is in the future home. You just say property. Go, go up. Go up. The prophet say, what does it mean? The earth will be loosened from the grip of Satan. A grip, it means it's holding. But it will be loosened. There will be a force that will allow him to let go. It will be loosened. It will be loosened from politics. It will be loosened from denominational religious systems to be used for the kingdom of God to be established here on earth. But as long as it's in the hands of Satan, politics, Satan, the ruler of the earth, he owns it. It belonged to him. But now, Christ has redeemed it. He carries on. One time, I was his property. But not... Uh, folks, do you remember when you were the devil's property? Do you remember how you let go? And how, how you loosen to the grip of Satan upon your life and say, Satan, I'm done with you. Amen. Then the prophet said, one time I was his property, but not now. One time that little woman was his property, but not now. Amen. See, he came to lose the grip of it. He loosed the grip of sin, of Satan, upon my life, upon your life. Hallelujah. Now, we are not his. Church, you believe that? Now, we are not his. Then he said, have you often heard me say in prayer, take your hands of God's property. Brother Brenham uses the word, which is very uh, common in the message. When he prays for a person, he says, I adjure you. The way to adjure is say, I command you. 
I, I force you to move out. Have you often heard me say in prayer, take your hands off God's property. Amen. Amen. Have faith to claim. Have faith to There are certain things that that are of your own. There are certain things that you possess. But what are you going to do? Folks, you cannot suffer year after year, week after week, and things remain the same. There must be a time where you go before God and say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of this situation. I'm tired of this repetitive cycle. I need to break out of this cycle. Your faith can do that. Do you believe that? Have faith to claim your own. That's your right. Take your hands off of her. Take your hands off of him. Faith The devil with his dirty hand is going to get a hold. He's going to try to touch your body. He's going to try to touch your children, your marriage, your finances. But this morning, the authority has been given to you to tell Satan, get your hands off God's property. My son is not your property. My daughter is not your property. My marriage is not your property. My life is not your property. And he said, faith will do it. But here is a problem. We have learned to coexist with unbearable conditions that we were not promised. And we found a way to rationalize that and accept that. This will always be a way of life. I will suffer. I was born to suffer. But your neighbor is a drunkard. He's not suffering. Your neighbor goes to rugby matches. He's not suffering. But you've got the spoken way. You've got the pillar of fire. But you are suffering. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. If things can happen for unbelievers, they must happen for you. I say they must happen for you. I cannot, I cannot have an unbeliever who is not a beggar and I'm a son of God and I'm a beggar. And I've accepted, I will always be a beggar. I was born to be a beggar. This morning, under extreme conditions, I reject that condition. I say I reject that condition. You are not ordained to suffer. You are not ordained to be sick. You are not ordained to be lost. And anything that the devil has done in your life and has taken this morning, this minister says to the devil, bring it back. Come on, church. Are you here this morning? Anything, anything, be the joy. Be it peace. Be it whatever. If he has taken it from away from you, I say, Satan, bring it back. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's our property. Folks, we were ordained to be happy. We were ordained to be peaceful. We were ordained to be stable. 
And I challenge God. If you make us suffer, what are we going to testify? How am I going to tell a neighbor and say there is a God who does things? But he said yesterday, you were asking for bread from me. I said, Lord, never, never make your seat to back from a seat of Satan. I've said it, folks. I said, God, never, never make your seat to beg from the seat of Satan. You're not saying amen because you are begging. You're not saying amen because you don't see a possibility. Maybe you are sitting there. Maybe the Lord say, you're going to be chucked out. I say, the devil is a liar. Folks, we have lived below our God-given privileges for long. And I've accepted that that's how it is. But we are now entering a new era. Folks, let me tell you, the devil wants to put limitation on your life. Many of you, the devil, did not want you to make it today. He had allocated the time. You will die. And people died. But this morning, all of us in the building, just being here, we have defeated the limitation that Satan put upon us. You were supposed to be dead last year, but Satan is surprised you are alive. And I say, Satan, you haven't seen nothing yet. More is coming. I say, more is coming. How many believe they have defeated Satan? Now, if you have defeated Satan, why are you afraid? Hmm? The same faith that allowed you to conquer coronavirus, take it further and use it. Oh, brother, have you ever seen when you don't know how to use a gun? And all of a sudden you shoot and something falls down. Then you realize I've got I've got something powerful here. <laughs> then right there, you know what you're gonna do? Oh, I remember who really undermined me? Yeah. That guy. You go to his house. Hey, Puman daughter. Puma silwe. Why? Because you have discovered a waypoint. And say, you remember, I was afraid of you. I ran away from you. But come out. And even shoot up in the sky. Hallelujah. The church of God was under a grip of fear. But I said, Satan, we are alive. By God's grace, we are alive. What are we going to do about it? God did not preserve us to keep on complaining. I didn't survive coronavirus to be a complainer. I didn't survive coronavirus to be a sufferer. Oh God, if there is suffering, maybe it should have taken me. But I believe you made me remain here. Because there are matters that we must prove to Satan. Are you still with me? Go into the enemy's camp. Least, Muzalwan, least. What did he take? Sometimes you know you can lose things and not know what you have lost. 
Sometimes you've got to do what we call inventory taking. And say, why did I lose? I lost joy. Why did the devil take peace? Why did the devil list them? And the book is full. And says, Satan, now I've got a full list. You took such and such a thing. Give it back. You took such and such a thing. Give it back. And folks, don't negotiate. Don't negotiate. And I'm tempted even to think that in some instances, don't even negotiate with God. <laughs> you know, God comes. God comes and says, Moses, I'm ready to kill these people. But Moses said, Lord, Lord, we don't work like that. I'm the one that led them out of Egypt. I'm the one that faced the Pharaoh. You want me later to say they took them out in order to kill them here? Lord, we don't work like that. But in the audience, there was Datan and Gora that hated him. But Moses realized the survival of my enemy is for my credibility. Sometimes some of you, you are too quick to say let the enemy die. No! There are times when the survival of the enemy is for your credibility. Moses, God said, no, no one is dying. That day God repented and said, Moses, I'm very sorry. What did, God, what did Moses do? Preach to God until God repented. That's an extreme measure in an extreme circumstance in order to achieve extreme results. There is a man called Hezekiah. He was told that the time is done. You're going to die. Pack up and make ready. You are dying. And the message reached him. And Ezekiel said, no, not me. I know I need time, Lord. There are matters that are yet to be settled. I need time, Lord. I know you want me to die today. But 50 more years. And 50 more years was added. This morning I say, God, if you decide that somebody will die today, not today, Lord. Some, oh, when we pray for you, we go to God and plead. That's why when you're a believer, do something worthwhile so that we've got something to talk to God about. If you're just, Lord, telling her, we don't know what you're doing. When you're a mother, we go and say, God, she's a mother. The children are still young. She wants to see them graduate. She wants to see them getting married. Are you still with me? We, we pray according to what you are doing currently. You remember sister, the sister that died in the book of Acts, who was very good to believers. What was her name? Dorcas. Sister Dorcas died. And they announced the funeral. But the disciples said, ah. We normally accept announcements of funeral, but here, oh, this one, we don't accept it. Not our sister. Brothers, we are not going anywhere. They prayed. They prayed. You know, I can imagine somebody must have said, but it's the will of God. But the brothers say, it's not our will. Hallelujah. It's the will of, it's not our, we still need our sister. 
she was not a preacher, just a good, well-mannered sister that was good to the believers. They refused the announcement of her death. They prayed and prayed until God realized, let thy will be done. And her life was restored back to her body. And I'm here to say that same God, I've seen him in 2021. Are you with me, brethren? Go and make a list. What has he taken? Sometimes we lose assets because we don't have what we call assets register. You know, a business must have assets register. Everything must be checked. And there's assets. And from time to time, they do an audit. Do we still have what we claim we have? They go and check all the chairs, everything that is in the asset register. Do you have a spiritual asset register? Will you be aware when Satan has taken something? Some of you, you are losing. Every year you are losing. But you are not aware because there is no auditing taking place in your life. And say, oh Lord, what have I done? And most of you, if we were to do an asset register of what you have lost, you'll get to the shock of your life. Then you'll come into a situation where you adopt disparate measures. Folks, in a company when they've got asset register, Maybe they buy a new truck. They don't get excited and the focus just becomes a new truck and not check other registers, other lists on the list. Are are you with me? Sometimes the devil does certain things, they happen, it's a blessing, yeah, but we get so excited about it and forget that behind the scene, the devil may be stealing something that we deem insignificant, but before we are away, He has already halved half of our assets. Are are you here, brethren? Do you understand what I'm talking about? The Bible says, or the song says, count your blessings. One by why? It's because you are registering. God, you have done this. God, you have done this. God, you have done this. Next day you check. But the thing that God did last year is no longer here. What happened? Somebody stole it. Then what you do, then you go into a recovery mode. You go to the Lord and ask, must I go after the enemy? Must I go and take everything that the enemy has taken? Then the Lord will say, pursue the enemy. Then you pursue the enemy. Then you will recover all. Are we together? I hope you are together. God bless you, Rachel. Sometimes God can take an extreme measure as well. When Jonah refused to go to, is it Nineveh? And he was on the boat. God adopted extreme measure. And got a fish to transport him to Nineveh. As we stand to our feet. We're going to sing, be still and know that I'm God.
give us another one, maybe. Brother Andrew will come and close for us.
Amen. Almighty God, this afternoon, Father, we want to thank you for you have done it yet once again. You have proved yet once again unto us that you are still the lion of the tribe of Judah. Thank you are the king of kings. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. The almighty God, the commander of the heaven's armies. Here we are today. We have partaken of the heavenly bread once more. We have been strengthened today, Lord. We come before you now, Lord, and say thank you, Almighty God. You, we have been strengthened, Almighty God, by the word of the living God, the living God of this day. Father God, we want to thank you this afternoon that we have come down in such a special way to remove the spiritual exactly. amnesia that was setting in our lives. Almighty God, how the devil had come in as a squatter to settle in our lives. But this day, we call on the whole host of exactly. heaven to chuck him out of our lives. He has taken refuge in our lives. And Lord, due to this spiritual amnesia, we had accepted him, almighty God. There is joy that he had stolen away from us. There is cleanness that he had taken away from our mm. lives. There is happiness that he had taken away from our lives. He has taken away good living in our lives. He has taken away richness in our lives. Almighty God, but this day he has been chucked out by the word that has gone forth, Lord. That day, Almighty God, you sent a word to your children through Gabriel, thy messenger, but the devil was lying in the way until, Almighty God, you took extreme measures exactly. and you sent Michael down, Almighty God, in the same way. It is the same. Michael has come down this day and he has removed the demons, the territorial demons that were Hallelujah. in the way. Mighty God, May we go in the strength of this message, Almighty God, to claim our God-given rights and say, Satan, give up the hell of our children. Give up the children of the living God. Give up the children of these people. Give up everything that you have taken that the children of the living God may go out in the joy of the Lord and save him with happiness. Almighty God, we want to thank you this day. We want to thank you for the word that has gone forth. We are strengthened, Almighty God. Come again, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, meet with your people down through the week. As we go through our week, Lord, each and every day, may our minds come back to this day. May our minds come back to this message and claim each and everything as we meet each and every obstacle and bulldoze our way by the power of the Holy Spirit that has come in this day, that has removed the spiritual amnesia, that makes us weak, that makes us to accept all the unacceptable things that the devil throws in our way. But this day, Lord, we want to thank you. This Hallelujah. is our day. This is a day of deliverance. This is our day. Thank in the you, name Lord. of Jesus Christ, we say, Satan, give up all that you have given. Give up all that you have taken from the children of Hallelujah. the Lord. That the children of God may serve him. Almighty God, we want to thank you this day. May you continue to bless our pastor. May you continue to magnify his ministry. Almighty God, even as he declared on that day that no one should die due to this pandemic, even so, it has been day, that day. It has been like that up to this day. Satan, we have thrown it back at your lap and say you have no right. Hallelujah. You will not take right in Jesus' mighty name. As it has been declared, and so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you this day, Almighty God. Have your own way, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. There are they. There they are. 
the children of the living God. Mm. Sister Chetty and them, brother Mpanyana, they are living testimonies Hallelujah. of that word that went forth. It was a declaration of war. And Satan, you have nothing to say, for they are living testimonies today that the Almighty God stands right behind his word. Father, we want to thank you this afternoon. May you continue to magnify this ministry. May you continue so to magnify our pastor. May you continue to magnify your children, Lord. Yes. Help us, Lord, to live by your word. That we can so be true written epistles to this dark world of sin. Even the enemy as he rages. But Father, we will be there for the world to read. That there is a people who live by your word. We thank you this day, almighty God. Be with us, Lord, as we go. Be with us as we come back, Lord, for more. We thank you, Almighty God. Have thy own way, Lord. Blessed be to your holy name. We worship you, Almighty Hallelujah. God. The Lion of the tribe of Hallelujah. Judah. The morning in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank oh, you, Father. Michael, we are on your side. You are on our side. We worship you today. We bless your holy name. We lift up your name. The five-star general. The bright and morning star. The lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon. Here he is. He has provided for his people once more. Lord, you are our provider. And we depend upon you. We thank you this afternoon, Lord, for this heavenly bread. We can call, Lord, in the strength of this message for the whole week until we come again for more. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. Don't be surprised when you don't see Brother Chetty. He's in Lepalale for a couple of days. Amen. For his back, the site is there work-wise, but you will be back. Amen. Uh, have a blessed week. Go and possess the gates of thy enemies and never be afraid to bring God to a showdown. Sometimes go to the extreme for God to go to the extreme for you. Don't be afraid. Brother Brennan says God will bankrupt the heavens before he allows his weight to fail. He will back you up at all times. Amen. Maybe Brother Mahuko uh, is now uh, back in Zimbabwe full time with the family. I just want him to just to say shalom and then thereafter you can sing a dismissal song. God bless you. Come and just say shalom to the church after they can sing. You are dismissed. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Uh, we miss you all. Amen. Every time we download the messages here, we are up to date what's going on. Yeah, we are with you. Mm. God bless you. We love you all. Keep on praying for us. Yes. And we will pray for you also. Mm. We are the victorious that side. Mm. God didn't leave us when we live here. Mm. He go with us up to death. Mm. We thank you for your prayers. Mm. God bless you. Hey. Thank you. God bless you. And tomorrow I'm traveling back. Pray for me. God bless you.
Oh, really, I see you. I see you. 